Behind the pleasant weather and beautiful geography, San Diego has a haunted history. Some stories are more well-known, like the ghosts in Old Town's Whaley House, and others more obscure, like the half-beasts haunting East County and ghost ships appearing in the desert. As Halloween creeps closer, we dive into the San Diego Union and the Evening Tribune's archives to reveal our historical ghost stories. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Hollow-Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Mary Montiagudo, you're the archivist for the San Diego Union Tribune, and every year you go through all of the archives of the Union and the Tribune and put together kind of a history book of Halloween. Let's start with one that probably people have least heard of, the Whaley House. What's haunting that space? Well, the Whaley House is supposedly one of the most haunted locations in America, mm-hmm. but and there are some 30 ghosts that have been reported to live there, although not all of them have been identified. But the one that interests me the most is the oldest one. Mm-hmm. And that is Yankee Jim. And the reason that one's interesting to me is we actually have records in our archives about this person who existed and was hung he, here in San Diego on at the side of the Whaley House about four years before the house was built. He was uh, had been arrested for stealing a boat, mm-hmm. and there were no laws at the time against, well, giving that particular crime a sentence, but he was charged then with essentially like being a horse thief, that mm-hmm. same, you know, level of felony, and the, and the penalty for that was hanging. So he was jailed for a brief time, and then he was taken out, and they built a gallows and right at the side of the Whaley House, and uh, he was hung there until dead. He's actually buried just down the street in mm-hmm. the El Campo Santo Cemetery, which is also haunted. But th- the fact that this is so well documented and we have his history in the archives is, is interesting now, that the whole trial and the death has been covered and is real. He's also the only ghost known to believe to have haunted the place when the Whaley's actually lived there. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense because that probably happened just a couple of years after Old Town was founded, right? Well, Old Town has been around for a lot longer because it was also there during the Spanish era and the Mexican era. But mm-hmm. the uh, Whaley House itself was um, built in uh, 18, or 1857, so that would have been uh, five years after uh, Yankee Jim was hung mm-hmm. on the site. So could you give us a little more background about the Whaley House? Like, who were the Whaleys and what was it kind of meant to be? Well, Thomas and Anna Whaley were, um, well, he was a merchant and did a lot of different things in San Diego. He built the Whaley House, which is the first brick building. And in some reports, we call it the first brick building west of the Mississippi. I don't, mm-hmm. I haven't verified that particular fact, but it's um, a well-established, famous location. And because it was there in Old Town, it became a lot of things over the years. It wasn't just a, a family home. In fact, though. Thomas and Anna lived there for a fairly short time in the beginning. It was a two-story house. It was used as a courtroom. Mm-hmm. It was used as um, to hold as a store, which Thomas did run for a while, mercantile. Mm-hmm. And it's been used as a, a lot of other things, including at one point a funeral parlor, which might lend itself to some of the other ghosts. The family did occupy um, a, 
a member of the family clear up until the 1950s. Um, the last um, Whaley descendant who lived in the house uh, passed away then, and then it came under city control. And you said there was like more than 10 ghosts supposedly haunting the space. Is that true? Well, well, true. That, true, I mean. yeah. <laughs> true if you believe in ghosts. Um, it, it really depends. It's a kind of interesting because Yankee Jim, there were, there were reports of footsteps and cold drafts and on the second floor of the house, even when, like I said, when it was occupied, mm-hmm. when people were living there. And then after they moved out, um, they started, the city got control of the house and they started um, to turn it into a museum. Mm-hmm. And funding was running out and then um, more reports came out about unexplained events that mm-hmm. were happening there and gradually they um, actually Regis Philbin when he was on the local television show here and radio he mm-hmm. was a well-known broadcaster here uh, brought in a psychic a famous psychic in the 1960s and uh, he was the first person to really start naming some of these other ghosts and and giving them identities again you know, any old house, any house that's over 100 years old, there's probably been people that died there. Or That was common. Yeah, past. it was. And that was where you died. You didn't go to the hospital necessarily. You passed away at home. And also that's where people were born and everything. So a lot of life events did happen there. There was a family suicide. There was a child that died. There were lots of traumatic things that did happen in that house. I don't know the, the exact identities um mm-hmm of the ghosts, you know, that the psychics have identified. But it is interesting that the timeline was, once the uh, budget had started to run low, they found more ghosts, and since then they've they've had a lot more uh, support for the museum. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Like, a place that's like a, a community center over time would have lots of life and death events, so it's kind of like a perfect greeting ground for a variety of ghost stories, I guess. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And... It was on the side of the old gallows. Yeah, so even more spirits that are very restless. Yes. And also, uh, you dug up some records about various creatures and beasts that are haunting the East County. Uh, Why don't you let us know your favorites? Oh, there are lots of good beast stories around San Diego. Um, There's the Proctor Valley Monster, which uh, pops up every decade or so Mm -hmm. when... Or at least it used to. I don't know. Proctor Valley is getting a lot more set, settled than yeah. it used to be. So I don't. I haven't heard of the monster lately. But that was the kind of story that uh, high schoolers would tell. Um, you know, going out on this lonely dirt road at night and and seeing the monster or, or hunting the monster. Even in the 1960s, there were actually a rash of people shooting cows and cutting fences and all while hunting the Proctor Valley monster. And that's down by Bonita. Mm-hmm. Um, the Benita Museum even has a footprint, supposedly, from a plaster cast of the Proctor Valley monster. Um, there, but the the idea of a Bigfoot or a kind of a, a humanoid half-yeah, Sasquatch, half-beast, yeah, half half-man creature goes really far back. I could find mm-hmm. in the archives in uh, 1876, there was um, a man in uh, out by Warner Ranch. Who found who who walked up um, one day? He was a miner, mm-hmm. which we'll get into a little bit later. But his name was Turner Helm, and he saw a creature sitting on a rock, 
And he said it. he thought it was a man at first, and then he got closer, and it was, you know, taller than a human would be, and it was covered in a coarse black fur mm-hmm. like a bear's. But the face was that of a Spaniard or a, you know, Caucasian. Mm-hmm. So that was the first kind of documented in our in our archives uh, reporting of an actual beast man in the East County. And again, that was out by Warner Springs and very close to a place called Dead Man's Hole. Mm-hmm. Dead Man's Hole was got its name in 1858 when a Butterfield stagecoach driver stopped at a spring and it's now roughly on the 79, a little bit south of Warner Springs, and at a watering hole. Mm-hmm. and found a corpse. Now, we don't know what that person died from. It could have just been exposure or, or bandits or any number of things. But they named that area Dead Man's Hole. And then during the 1870s and 1880s, there were multiple unsolved murders that mm-hmm. happened in that same area. So the reputation of this kind of haunted place, um, well, or at least... Uh, paranormal experiences were happening there mm-hmm. um, grew and Makes that sense. yeah so those are but the Bigfoot the interesting thing about the East County kind of Bigfoot um, he has lots of different names out uh-huh. in Anza Borrego it's the Borrego Sandman um, that's the big white statue right that's Ranchetti ah. Ranchetti and Ranchita is the Ranchetti Yeti mm-hmm. and that's the big statue that was built um that came along, that was a lot later. That was like in the 1980s mm-hmm. or even later than that. And But the, there have been reports of Bigfoot called into the sheriff's office as late as 1990. Somebody wow. in Alpine had saw something that they couldn't explain that they felt was eating all the apples off their tree like 12 mm-hmm. feet off the ground without, you know, which a standing person would have a hard time doing. So... It's interesting that it's it's kept going. The the stories keep coming. And it seems like the environment is kind of perfect for any Bigfoot or half-beast kind of, you know, creature just because it can get pretty desolate and lonely out there. So anything that looks vaguely humanoid or vaguely something else kind of makes your brain think that has to be some kind of monster. Like, there's no way this could be real. Yeah, it's interesting. As in it, The rural character of the area does lend itself to this kind of creature that it could very well hide from humanity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the proximity with Mexico, do we have any, like, chupacabra stories in the region? You know, there are some good Mexican ghost stories. I'm Chupacabra, not so much. That's really a different part of, of mm-hmm. Latin America. But the the La Llorona, the, the wailing woman, and mm-hmm. there was a good one I heard just yesterday um, in Tijuana about a saloon on Avenida Revolución where um, years and years ago, you know, it's the time is uncertain, mm-hmm. uh, a handsome man came into the saloon and was dancing with a young lady. And after a while, people noticed that her feet were not on the floor anymore. Mm-hmm. And when he left, she was dead. And so it's the devil that visited the oh. saloon. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and also... Um, you also mentioned earlier when you were planning this episode of this ghost ship that appears in the desert. What's that story about? This one was really fun. Back in, again, the 1880s was a great time for these kind of stories. In the 1880s, there were a lot of reports 
of a ghost ship in the desert, a phantom vessel. And sometimes mm-hmm. explorers and miners, again, would see this from a distance and be unable to get close. They'd just see the tattered you know, sails of the ship and the mast off in the distance, but no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't reach it. And then um, in 1889, there was an actual expedition out of San Diego where it was financed, they tried to find this ship, and supposedly they wrote in the paper, at least the story is told, that they um, came upon the kind of gutted hull of a wooden ship out wow. in the middle of what is now, or was then, the Salton Flats, mm-hmm. which it was the sink. It was dry land in this kind of salty, arid desert. But then in 1907... The corn, the Colorado River broke through a dam that was being uh, brought here for irrigation water, mm-hmm. and flooded the area. Now it's the Salton Sea, and since that time, I haven't seen any reports of the ghost ship of the desert. So maybe it's still out there, but maybe it's underwater. Yeah, I imagine that <laughs> that does certainly sound creepy. Of like a you know ancient pirate vessel just kind of well, floating around. Yeah, the theory was, you know, that a, that a hurricane or something had driven it up the mm-hmm. from the coast and it gotten stranded so far inland or some other supernatural force. Mm-hmm. So when looking at the archives of the two papers that now are the San Diego Union Tribune, when was this kind of era of these spooky, scary stories? Like how long did that last and are there kind of remnants of that that kind of persisted into like last century? Oh, yeah. Um well, the the it's easiest to look in the the digitized archives that we have online, which mm-hmm. begin in 1871 with the daily edition of the Union. So, um, but most of the stories I'm finding are in the 1880s and 1890s, and then they seem to come and go. There was a slew of stories in the 1930s, and maybe the the, the depression, you know, added to that that people were interested in this kind of tall tale and and you know something that would take you out of your ordinary life. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there were stories of, you know, uh, famous people that had died and were haunting and, and, and things. And even, like I said, the Proctor Valley monster, that was in the 50s and the 60s was when it kind of, the mm-hmm. mania for that hit its peak. And there have been um, lots of reports, even like I said, up to, well, a few years ago, there were reports of a sea monster. Mm-hmm being found on the San Diego beaches, you know, that kind of creature that can't be explained. And so, yes, it's still going on today. Yeah, it's a legacy that won't go away because we always, it's the, the nature of death. It, it, it's a great way to tell stories and, you know, to feel like a bump in the night, that kind of thing. Yeah, these stories of things that go bump in the night exactly are, are going to be with us for a long time. And I guess when considering what I guess you would supposedly call like the canon of ghost stories in San Diego, is there any one that really kind of resonates and sticks with like the local culture, like like one that's like taught in schools or something like that? That I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, uh, there are so many. Of, well, much of the stories in San Diego are, you know, this kind of lore that's mixed with history. Mm-hmm. And like I said, with the Yankee Jim story, that's a real event that did happen. And there's also, there's a lot of stories, particularly about the Spanish era. Mm-hmm. And the uh, in some each of the adobe houses, you can go to the Rancho Buena Vista adobe and hear about the spirits of the adobe because there are, you know, events that have happened there that still haunt people. Or even San Diego 
um, park is supposedly you can see the ghost of um, the owner of the ranch right across, you know, the landscape in the middle of the night on foggy nights. And, mm-hmm. and he died in 1859. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of stories that are both lore and history, I think those are going to stick around maybe longer than the Proctor Valley monster. And certainly with the history of how the missions operated and and even the native peoples in the region kind of give fertile ground for these stories to kind of have new life. Yes, there's a lot of mixing of cultures, a lot of, we were the frontier, mm-hmm. you know, and then in some ways we still are. And whenever you get that kind of cross-cultural currents going, you're going to get more interesting and compelling stories. Mm-hmm. So I guess finally... Um, when a friend or a journalist asks you, what's your favorite ghost story, what's your answer? Oh, there are too many to <laughs> choose from. Um, I really like the Star of India mm-hmm. as, a, as a site for ghosts because it was, again, it's a, a very old sailing ship that, that was originally um, named the Euterpe, and, and it carried... Um, ferried passengers to New Zealand and, and mm-hmm. you know, really traveled around the world. And there was, again, a historical fact. There was a death on that ship, a man who uh, was a veteran of the war and committed suicide and died in the first mate's cabin. And he's been seen on the ship. And so I have not personally seen this ghost, but mm-hmm. the Star of India seems like it should have a ghost, and that's a good one. Yeah, with anything that has enough history, it's like it kind of needs a ghost, honestly. Exactly. All right, Mary Montegudo, thank you so much. Thank you. And because it's Friday, here are some Halloween events to attend this coming week. First, the San Diego Zombie Crawl will haunt the Gaslamp Quarter, both this weekend and the next one. Photo booths will be set up at various bars and venues to show off your undead looks. You can also kick up Halloween Saturday evening during Nightmare on Normal Street in Hillcrest. There will be an outdoor dance party and even a dog costume contest. Finally, for family-friendly events, Balboa Park is holding its Halloween Family Day from 11 to 4 this Saturday. There will be spooky crafts for kids, a pumpkin drop, and a thriller flash mob in the Plaza de Panama. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Our creative director is Bat O. Alvarez, and our digital editor is Creaky Young. The podcast comes together with support from our creative studio and reporters throughout the newsroom. Please rate us and review us on your favorite podcast app and support our journalism by signing up for our print and digital products at uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.